Welcome, everyone. My name is Stephen Holastic. I will be your host for today's nonprofit MBA podcast. I am co-founder of Financing Solutions. And if those of you who have not heard of us yet, over the last 12 years, Financing Solutions has been the leading provider of lines of credit for small nonprofits in the United States. And uh, it's a very popular product. Uh, you know, lines of credit are is great for helping to control cash flow. So, you know, there's always ups and downs and reimbursements and in nonprofits, and this is really a great, great way of making sure you pay your people on time and you keep your programs going. If you're interested in learning more, please visit a nonprofitmbapodcast.com and you can learn more about us. You can also um, fill out a simple two minute application and you'll get um, an offer letter if you're qualified. And today we have a sponsor, uh, Arraise, A-R-A-I-Z-E. Arraise Fast Fund Online is a cloud-based system that seamlessly integrates nonprofit fund accounting, fundraising, and payroll in a single solution. Um, I'm a firm believer in buying software that is specifically made for an industry. And if you're using QuickBooks or some other uh, non-industry-related uh uh, accounting package, I would strongly recommend taking a look at Arrays. If you're interested, just go to Arrays.com, A-R-A-I-Z-E.com, or call Joe at 842, I'm sorry, 847-261-9605. Today, I'm very excited to be speaking with Farah Trump-Peter from Big Duck, um, and today we're going to be covering the topic of nonprofit branding, building, and executing excellence. Uh, Farah is a, a co-director and member owner at Big Duck, a worker-owned cooperative that builds strong brands, campaigns, and teams for nonprofit organizations, foundations, and government agencies. Farah has led um, dozens of organizations through major brand overhauls, fundraising campaigns, and much more ever since. She's a frequent speaker around the country, training nonprofit staff and board members on branding, communication planning, and engaging donors at all giving levels. Farah holds a master's of science in nonprofit management from the new school and is an adjunct professor at the NYU Wagner Graduate School of Public Service. Farah, welcome to today's nonprofit MBA podcast. Thanks for having me, Stephen. So uh, let's get into, uh, you know, for nonprofits that are smaller. And when I say that, under $10 million in sales, uh, revenue, excuse me. Um, so, you know, most of them are like one to two to three million. What, did, what should branding be for them? I mean, I think branding should be the same for every organization. How it gets executed, the resources you have to invest in it varies by staff size and budget. In essence, branding really should be something that it's an ongoing practice of really thinking about who you are inside and how you're communicating that to the outside so that people understand what you're about, can participate in your mission, can support your work, engage in your programs, and ultimately make sure you can achieve your mission. So for us, branding is a, a focused communication strategy that's about really honing in on what do you want people to think and feel about your organization? How do we express that through our visuals and through our messaging? and ultimately through the experience of our brand across communications channels, your website, your email, your social, your digital, your podcasts, your videos. Um, so really, again, branding is kind of the same for every organization, but you know, smaller organizations 
or newer organizations often get into what we call accidental branding. Sure, they have a name and a logo. Maybe they had to have a mission statement to file their paperwork, but are they being really intentional about what it is they want to communicate in those things, or is it just something they happened into? So again, I think branding really is the same across. It's really just how it's developed or practiced. When you are asked to come on board for an engagement, and it's a smaller nonprofit, what what is usually the purpose of the engagement? Sure. I mean, we one of our first questions when somebody reaches out to us and about branding is, have you done a strategic plan or a business plan? Yeah. Where is the organization going? And usually, you know, we believe the brand should be part of that process and then follow that process. So in other words, if your organization has a plan for the next one year, three years, five years, 10 years, et cetera, then how can your brand support that? So if your plan is to grow into new cities or regions or states or countries, or your plan is to double in size in terms of the people you're serving, or you have people knocking down your you know, digital and physical doors and what you need is you know, an influx of new funding, that may be your, you know, there's some kind of plan for the organization. What does the brand need to do for you in that? So the first thing we're doing is trying to understand who the organization is, where it's going, also what community it has, what are its relationships with the community, what's the landscape it works in or the ecosystem of other organizations, and then what role does this organization play and how can we then clarify and articulate that again across everything from its name, its logo, its tagline, its elevator pitch, et cetera. What what percentage of the time do the nonprofit organizations come to you and they say, uh, we have a strategic plan? I mean, most do. Uh-huh. I think what I have found, you know, I, I do a lot of workshops and webinars. And a lot of times I'll ask that question and say, do you have a strategic plan? And instead of just offering yes or no, one of the options I offer is, I don't know. Or like, I have no idea where it is. You know, I think one of the challenge there's a lot of challenges oh with, with strategic planning. <laughs> One of the challenges is that sometimes it's all, and this can sometimes happen with branding as well, where it's only done by a few people, maybe the the senior leadership team, the board, and the rest of the staff has no idea. Uh, Maybe they're told something exists. They have no idea where to find it. I mean, I've been around in the nonprofit sector for 30 years. I remember being on boards and doing strategic plans and getting a binder, right? That then eventually literally sat on the shelf and nobody opened it again. I think we're beyond the printed binder and, you know, plans live online and they're digital, but a lot of times folks don't even know if they have one or the strategic plan is literally in the executive director or the founder's head and hasn't been put on paper or the plan was created and nobody ever looked at it again. And here comes COVID, here comes some crisis, here comes something else. And the organization had to pivot and shift, but never went back to make sure that like, are we all clear on where we're going? Um, so I do find that many organizations do have a plan whether or not it's current, whether or not everybody knows it, those are the other parts. Those are the other things I don't always find. Yeah. Well, if no one if no one knows it and no one looks at it, it's not really a strategic plan. But I, I it makes me think I have to have a podcast again on strategic planning. So, um, I because I, I definitely know, and I'm sure you would agree, Farah, that you can't do a um, branding uh, project if if you don't know what your mission is, if you don't know what your culture is, if you don't know where you're, what you're trying to accomplish, you can't kind of do that type of work. Is that fair enough? Yeah, that's fair enough. And again, sometimes, you know, strategic planning processes, and I haven't heard when you've talked about it before, so I don't know if we're aligned on this. You know, some strategic planning processes can take a year or more to do. And people are like, oh God, I, you know, it's such a pain. I can't do that right now. And they're overwhelmed. 
there are definitely newer approaches to strategic planning that are less intense, less involved, still very important. Again, whether it's a 50-page document or a one-page summary, people need to know where you're going. And so I do think that some kind of thing that points our organization forward and says what we're trying to accomplish has to happen first, and then we can figure out how we can use the brand and communications to get there. Yeah. <clears throat> well, you know, I, yeah. Uh, who do you, so when you, when you do get those calls for projects, uh, for the branding project, is it the executive director who's usually working with you? Is it the, uh, the board president? Is it a communications director? It's often those folks, maybe even the development director. I would say most of the time it's someone in the communications team reaching out to us, but they're, depending on the size of organization and the staff structure, uh, it can be the, the executive director or the ED and the board chair. Um, usually it's staff, and we have a discussion about the board's role in branding, which we can talk about, but it's typically a staff-led process. Again, sometimes the board is asking about it or initiating it. Um, one of the challenges in that is that many nonprofit boards are stat or are volunteered with people who work in the for-profit world who have never worked in a nonprofit, who don't understand nonprofit realities in terms of culture, buy-in, budgets. So I have had challenging moments where the board, you know, is used to the branding they did for a large supermarket chain or some other industry and don't understand that, you know, it's different when it comes to nonprofits. How is it different? Well, I mean, I think the, you know, again, there are branding approaches and definitions that are true across nonprofit and for-profit, but the bottom line is different, right? For-profit organizations are trying to sell something. Nonprofit organizations are trying to make the world a better place, trying to, you know, find the cure to a disease, trying to change the system so that less people are hungry, right? Whatever the mission may be. And so the bottom line is different. And then the audiences are different, right? Again, in a for-profit branding world, it's very clear. We're trying to get a certain audience to take a very specific action, which might be buying a product, signing up for something. In the world of nonprofits, you've got many audiences, many different things you're trying to do. And again, this issue of buy-in, for a nonprofit brand to really stick, it can't be top-down. It can't just be, on this day forward, we decree this is our new brand guide and how you need to communicate. That certainly needs to happen, but the brand has to be developed with the staff for it to really take hold, and ideally with some feedback from other members of the community, program participants, partners, donors, volunteers, activists, again, depending on the mission. Tell me, the uh, give me a good case scenario where you, you, know, you work with somebody, um, smaller nonprofit, um, tell me what the engagement was like, uh, I don't, we don't need to know the name, um, and and a success story, something, you know, it went from beginning to end and how the whole process worked and sure. what, what came out of that. Sure. And, you know, we have, we have a bunch of case studies on our website. If you go to bigduck.com slash work, you can see some case studies that detail these processes and show some um, images of, of that. So I encourage people, if they're trying to better understand what happens in branding, to take a look at that. I mean, again, most many organizations call us. They've got a big anniversary coming up. Um, some organizations call us because they realize that their name is no longer accurate or at worst, you know, alienating or stigmatizing other people. So they know they need to change their brand or maybe, you know, their, their name has a geography in it or a region. And all of a sudden their plan says they're going to expand to a new one or work with a new population. So a lot of times, you know, there are moments where the name is leading that, or again, there's a major thing happening, a big anniversary or 
a big, you know, a big shift has happened in the organization and they realize that the way they are, they look on the outside is maybe who they were five, 10, 15 years ago and not reflective of who they are now. Typically our, we start every process with discovery and brand strategy. So what that means is, again, we look at things like the strategic plan, theory of change, other organizational information. We look at the peer landscape, take a look at how some other organizations are communicating. We um, do some interviews with both staff and board, as well as external representatives, again, donors, program partners, board, you know, uh, activists, whoever that may be, understand how the organization is perceived. In some cases, we'll do a survey to wider members of their community. And then we'll pull all those insights and look at how, again, examples of their communications materials. And we usually do two workshops with members of their team to really get aligned on what should be the goals for communications in the brand, who are the most important audiences to reach and engage through a a sharpened brand, and then looking with the organization at how they're communicating and really trying to understand what are the opportunities to strengthen it. And how do we build on what they have? A good branding process. We're not throwing things away. What we're trying to do is just open more doors to people. So in that process, we're also doing some exercises to get at brand strategy. At Big Duck, we define brand strategy as positioning and personality. Positioning, big idea I should have in my mind about your organization. Personality, your tone and style, the emotions, the way you should make me feel. So the adjectives we might use to describe you. So in the second workshop, we're getting aligned on what that positioning and personality should be. And then we're looking at the brand identity. Again, the logos, the colors, the images, the name, the tagline, the messaging to see, are those things really reinforcing this positioning and personality? And if not, what direction of change should we make, right? And in that moment, we might say, you know what? The name is working, but what you really need is a new tagline that invites people in. And your color palette, we just said you want to be seen as fierce and bold, but your color palette's really muted. So we need to really move into something more vibrant. Similarly with the messaging, you're not communicating why you need to exist. We need to bring that out more, those type of things. We then put that together in a report, and then we go on forward and build out the brand. I should note our approach to branding follows a book that our founder, Sarah Durham, wrote a little over 10 years ago called Brand Raising. And it's the idea of using your brand to raise visibility, create change, raise funds. So everything we do is always pointed back to the goals and audiences to make sure that we're accomplishing that. And so finally, I would just say, you know, the big, when we see the most transformation as a result of a branding process is when an organization really kind of clarifies that positioning and personality, really leans into it, changes several things at once, and then rolls it out in a thoughtful way that you can really see the difference. Um, And, you know, there's a podcast that I recorded on the Smart Communications podcast with a former client from Blue Engine, Alandria Jackson-Charles, about how branding has made life easier. She's a fundraising person. And one of the things she said in that conversation was just really how much it made it easier for her to explain the organization to donors, to funders, and that the whole staff started introducing the organization the same way, as opposed to just knowing their specific program area. So I think branding has a chance of making it easier for people to understand what you do and, of course, more consistent. So let's, let's, let's go through the scenario where you, uh, you're in engagement and you're t- tasked with calling some people from the organization to hear what they think the, the branding, the purpose uh, mm-hmm. of, of the organization is. So what type of questions would you ask? Let's say you're calling... Sure. Um, you, know, you pick whoever you want, You could uh, whoever you're calling, and mm-hmm. just tell us some of the questions that you would sure. run by that person. 
Yeah. And when we do interviews, we always kind of put together an interview guide and, and review it with our clients to make sure we're, we're asking things. And then we report back uh, themes. We never say, well, we spoke to Stephen and Stephen said this. Uh, but typically we're asking everything from how are you connected to this organization? How do you describe it? How do you introduce it to new organizations? What makes it different or unique in its X you know, field or mission area? Uh, who are the most important audiences that you think really need to know and understand what this organization is about? Uh, we will sometimes ask if they, you know, what do they think are the organization's biggest opportunities to improve how they communicate, if they have any feedback on some of their visual identity or messaging. Those are the kind of things that we'll ask about. Oh, those are all good questions. I'd love to hear the answers, yeah. <clears throat> what they said. You know, I'd be very interested. Yeah. <clears throat> um, do you think that, uh, do you think that nonprofits in general do a good job with branding or no? This is one of those. I, I don't think that's a yes or no. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there's an opportunity for nonprofits to do better. Hence, <laughs> hence the sort of reason for our company at Big Doc. I mean, where we are, um, we sort of our tagline is smart communications for nonprofits, right? It's the idea of, of being smarter and better. I think a lot of organizations you know, one of the biggest challenges we do see with nonprofits and branding is an issue with sub-branding or what we call brand architecture, which is a lot of times, every time there's a new race, run, walk event, or there is a new program, sometimes the funder wants it to be named something else, or everybody's so excited about it, they make a unique logo for it. And what happens with that is then people will start to get to know that program or that event, and they don't realize it's connected to this other organization. And then when that organization goes to communicate to those participants or their donors about ongoing information, they don't realize who it is and they don't get that deeper engagement. So I think, you know, nonprofits overall, I think there's opportunity for them to be a lot smarter and more strategic with how they brand. Um, and in terms of, you know, it, it's all relative, I think, depending on how you're defining it. But I do think we see, we, we can always often find an opportunity to do better. Mm. Some organizations come in, we don't know how much they need. And some of them only need to tighten their messaging. Everything else is fine. Others need a whole, you know, complete makeover. It's hard to say sometimes until we really get into it and understand, again, where that organization is trying to go and who, who they need to engage. Yeah. I did a podcast recently where, um, the the uh, uh, the guest had said that a branding, what it does, it's it works like the lead generation system for the fundraising arm. Mm-hmm. So you know when you when you run a business, a for profit business, you do various different types of advertising. I hope you are um, in order to generate potential prospects so that they then become clients. And, and, you know, it was an interesting perspective. I had never thought about it for nonprofits in that, you know, branding should be in a way uh, creating uh, leads for fundraising to be able to, or for, it's not fundraising, it's, it's more about big donors, mm-hmm. right? Um, to be able to, to get them in the queue so that, you know, it's, it's to build awareness and so that you can then go to the, the uh, next step of, you know, uh, getting donations, getting big donors, getting fundraising, uh, fundraising sometimes can be a little different, but, you know, would, would you agree with that? 
I mean, sort of. I would say, I don't know, uh, I don't know your age. I'm, I don't know if you I'm remember. Okay, well, there you go. So I'm a little younger, but but a similar generation there. I think we're both Xers. Um, I don't know if you remember the Head and Shoulders com- commercials when we were kids. You know, you never get a second chance to make a first impression. Yeah, that was coming up in my mind as you were talking. And I think branding is about making that good first impression, and then, by the way, making a really good second, third, fifth, fiftieth yeah. impression. And I think um, who we're making those impressions are certainly includes potential donors or existing donors, but again, it also includes those volunteers, those people who might apply for a job with you or join your board, the people who need to sign up for the programs that you're offering. So I do think branding is very important to fundraising, but it's not the only thing it serves at all. The brand has to work on all levels and then can be applied specifically to bring or engage donors in as well as other audiences. Yeah, that's why, I mean, early on in this podcast, I kind of laughed. I shouldn't have. But when you have a strategic plan and they say, you say you put it on the shelf, I mean, that is the biggest waste of a resource because, you know, when I look at branding or strategic planning, I honestly would say is the majority of the time, it's more important for internal people than it is for external. And what I mean by that is a great strategic plan and a great branding project. And, you know, branding doesn't have to be this big, huge, complicated prod, a project. It, it, it's really important for people who are internal to understand what it is that we do, why we do it, and what the culture of the company is and how we communicate that and the services that we provide. Because everybody in the organization needs that to get buy into the ideas that the executive director and the staff is going to have. Number two is they need that when they're talking to various different constituents about you know, what it is you do and why you do it. It helps you with reducing employee turnover because they know exactly what it is you're doing. So I would say is a, a branding project is so much more about internal. And, you know, I, I was, um, my first nine years, I worked for, for Xerox and Xerox, for those of you who aren't 58 <laughs> years old, um, was the Google of its day. I love, I loved working there. It was, a, it was a great, great company. They're very, I felt that they were very ethical. They did a great job with execution they just, it was a great place to work. <clears throat> we were applying for an award in Japan, in, ja- in Japan. Um, and, uh, and so they, part of that award, there was a Deming award was one of them. And, um, you, you, your, your staff had to know, everybody in the company had to know what your mission statement was, what your culture was, what your goals were. And so they, they printed out these little cards for us and we would have to keep it in our wallets or in mm-hmm. your pocketbooks. And the CEO would go around to the different districts and say, what is our mission statement? Mm-hmm. What is the culture of our company? You know, and I'll tell you, it really... Uh, it bound the organization together. Uh, You know, people really felt that they were on a a mission and it gave everybody a sense of urgency, which, you know, I think it's easier to do that at a nonprofit, but if you're not communicating why you're doing what you do, some people may not have a sense of urgency about why it's so important and they're just showing up for their jobs. Yeah, I think I'd say less about urgency, maybe more about a sense of purpose. Yes. And I think to what you're saying, I think um, I support too, like a, a lot of times what organizations will say to them, who are the most important audiences for their brand? Many times they're not listing staff, right? They are listing things like the donors, the program yeah. partners, the program participants. 
And I agree. I think staff are the most important audience for the brand because they're the ones who are going to be your day-to-day ambassadors. That said, the brand does need to work externally as well. But if we don't look at how we can bring the, that staff in and make the staff feel excited and proud of where they work and clear of what they do and how they can talk about it, the brand's never going to take hold. Um, because it's not just, oh, we've got now a beautiful new logo or a great new website. But if I then email or call the organization or comment on Instagram, if I don't get the response back that is, again, done in the spirit of the brand personality and the positioning, it's all going to fall apart. And it's going to be the same thing, sitting on the brand guide, sitting on the shelf and not really an active part of the day-to-day communications. And, th- and that's what I would suggest once a quarter, that when you have a large me- uh, meeting with everybody, you specifically address, you know, this is our brand. This is what we stand for. This is why we do what we do. And you can even, you know, do the card for everybody, like mm-hmm. I had said. But, yeah. you know, you give out a little prize for somebody mm-hmm. who's, you know, who says, hey, okay, what's what's our mission statement? You, you give them the, you know, nice big chocolate bar or something and just make it fun. But you have to every quarter reinforce those things to your team. Um, and, uh, you know, that's been my experience at the companies I've run, you know, that it's, it's really critical that everybody understands, you know, those key concepts. And then I, I'll tell you the best work I ever did um, it for, for one of my companies that fits into branding, but there was a book called The Inside Advantage, and it was written by uh, Robert Bloom. And uh, Robert Bloom, if, if uh, I don't know if anybody recognizes his name, but he he uh, he's the, he was the, the founder and CEO of Publicis, which is the largest uh, advertising agency in the world. At least it was, and he wrote a book called The Inside Advantage, which talked about how um, building uh, a, you know your 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 uh, your branding and your taglines and everything gives you a competitive advantage over everybody else. And I, I, the book is very thin and we took that, that book as a team and we built, you know, we did a lot of branding work using that book and we actually ended up bringing him in to just help us consult with, with moving forward. And it was the best work I've ever done uh, for one of my companies. And, you know, I, that was also the best team I've ever had. It was a different company than Financing Solutions, but um, so it, it was. It was so worth the while. And I think, did you find Farah that when you do these type of projects where everybody's engaged, that it's just incredibly rewarding for the team? Oh, definitely. I think people find it. You know, it, it makes branding feel part of the everyday and not just something the communications team is worrying about or thinking about. And it can crystallize what the culture is about. I would also say on what you were just talking about, I haven't read the book. I'll put it on my list. But one of the things that, again, nonprofits are different than for-profits is I think I've been seeing a move away from things like competition and more toward thinking about peers and partners. Because for many nonprofits, the you know what might be classically seen as competition are the organizations that are also sending program participants to them. And I think there is idea, you know, we're seeing right now in 2023, a much more collective spirit where people realize there's plenty to go around. We don't have to have this kind of scarcity mindset. There's many donors, many program participants. If we actually work together, you know, our mission might be X, but we can see ourselves as part of a broader movement 
And I see that shift happening. And I would say that's one of the things that are different about nonprofits. So when we think about positioning, for us, it's less about what makes you better. It's more about what is the association we should have with you? What is the kind of void you fill or the, the what I should think of when I think of you? And not necessarily that you are the biggest, the brightest, the X, but just like, here's what you do and what you do well and what I should come to you for. And so it's a, a little variation off of what probably is the advice in that book is just how we think about it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, and I, oh, I agree with you 100%, for, even if it's for-profit business. I think what, what, what uh, a branding project does, it, tell, it really tells you your niche mm-hmm. and it, it, it tells you your competition too. So, you know, I think the better companies are at building their brand, the better they are at knowing when to say no to certain things. You know, not yes, no. And, um, and, and then in that case too, uh, you know, uh, partnering who you can partner with, because if you know what you do really well and you know, this other company does something that's similar, but really different, um, you, you really know that you could go to them and say, Hey, this is our niche. This is what we do. And this is why I think we can partner together. If you don't know who you are and you can't communicate that well through a project branding project, then, you know, you're less likely to get a partnership because of that. Mm-hmm. So what, what, what do you think um, is the first step that somebody we talked about, you know, the value of having a strategic plan um, uh, after that, what is usually the next step in doing a, a, a branding project? I mean, I think the next step would be having a conversation about what we call the desired future state. Imagine it's five years from now, your organization is communicating more effectively, more consistently, in a more compelling manner. What's different for you? And see what comes to mind for people. Sometimes, again, that is, wow, we have much bigger donors, or we have an increase in our retention rate and people are giving to us time and time again, or wow, we have the, our pick of the best candidates who are applying for jobs, or wow, we have all these volunteers who want to work with us or all these people accessing our programs. And now we're in 30 more communities. So I think understanding where we're trying to, again, it's that same thing, like what is success? Where are we going? And then again, we can come into the questions of a great, what can communications do to get you there? Um, and what is getting in the way now of you getting there and how can the brand be addressed to solve that? Yeah. I also think too, and even my experience with that project, uh, with Robert Bloom, I, it was amazing with, you know, I had my team read the book and of course I read it too, and uh, it's a very small book, so it was easy. And then we tried to do the, the branding project ourselves and we were struggling a little bit. And then I talked to Robert about it and he came in for an hour and within an hour, we made the same, we made uh, 10 hours worth of progress if we had done it on our own, you know, it just, it accelerated it so much. We came out with such good results. So I'm a big believer in bringing somebody, especially for a branding project from the outside in, even if it's just to facilitate, which is really what it is. Well, that, And that's one of the reasons why in our process, after we do some research to understand the organization, we do those collaborative workshops. So the staff is part of it. We're facilitating. We're getting the ideas from them. We're asking the right questions. And then we're giving them the feedback on how to take it to the next level. And it's easier on the outside to see spot patterns and make recommendations than it can be when you're living with something day to day. 
but we think the best projects are when we're actually doing it together as a partner. It was my understanding that um, uh, when COVID hit in 2019, everyone, 2020, uh, okay. Well, in theory, I guess it did start in 2019, but it hit us here in the U.S. in 2020. Yeah. Um, (laughs) My understanding was that a lot of nonprofit organizations, it took them six months to a year to, everybody was uh, like a deer in a headlight. But then after that, a lot of them started to take a step back and started really working hard internally on various different projects. Did, was that your experience? Um, actually, I saw a much quicker response. I, mm. I mean, I certainly saw people being like, oh gosh, what do we do? How do we change our programs depending on if they were an in-person organization or one that was more of an interme- intermediary and not necessarily doing direct services. But I saw a lot of organizations really you know, quickly moving to more digital programming, and figuring out how to respond it really, because some organizations had to do it. They had to do it right away because their program model was totally in upheaval. So I saw some quicker response from organizations, but then I think there was also, you know, especially that first year before the vaccine was fully rolled out, a lot of people are like, how long are we going to deal with this thing? You know, when we all originally left our offices, we thought it was for two or three weeks. Um, for some of us, like Big Duck, we actually like didn't renew our lease. So we're not back in one physical location anymore like we used to be. Yeah. So I think um, I saw a pretty quick response from a lot of the clients and organizations we were talking to. But then it certainly then hit that next phase of like, okay, well, wait a minute. Now it seems like we're in this. So now what? So there was definitely kind of this immediate crisis response. Let's get into action. And then a little bit more of a settling and a question of, okay, how are we doing it now? And then here we are in 2023. Many organizations have moved to do things in a more hybrid way where they're still key holding on to some of those digital things they did, but back to doing some things in person. Has it been your experience that sometimes when they bring you on board and start for engaging these type of projects that, that nonprofit organizations sometimes pivot from what they were doing? So in other words, they change directions Um, I mean, for us, typically it's less about that. The organization is kind of clearer on where they're going programmatically, and it's much more about expressing what the brand should do. We certainly have times where people think they're coming in and they're going to change X and we find that they need to change Y or they don't think they need to change things and we lift up reasons why maybe they should. Um, But less that I've seen that they become completely different organizations. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's all good stuff. I mean, I love doing branding work personally. I think it's a lot of Same. fun. Yeah, it's really um, fun. Yeah. So uh, that's all the time we have for today. I'd like to thank so very much uh, Farah Chompeter from Big Duck for coming on to today's podcast. And if you like today's podcast, please feel free to share it with a friend and also subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. I think this is my 400th episode. And if I, I really believe that with all the great guests I've had over the years, if you just listen to some of these podcasts and you pick and choose if you want. It's just an incredible MBA and how to run a nonprofit, um, such as the name nonprofit MBA. (laughs) So if you like today's podcast, please also give us a review on your podcasting app. It really helps us get the word out. That's how the rankings are. We're in the top 5% of nonprofit podcasts in the United States. And it's due to those reviews. We thank you for that. And if you're looking for a line of credit for your nonprofit, you can call us at 862-207-4118 or visit our website at nonprofitmbapodcast.com. Farah, if, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, how would they go about doing that? 
Oh, well, thank you. We'd love to hear from folks. If you go to bigduck.com slash contact, you can fill out our contact form. You, of course, can always contact me. It's just Farah, F as in Frank, A-R-R-A at bigduck.com. Great. Thanks for coming on today. Thanks so much for having me. And I want to thank all of our listeners out there. Uh, you know, I know Farah and I are trying to be good human beings, but you guys are out there every day really making a difference in the world uh, on a daily basis. And you're, you're really uh, trying to make the world a better place, which is what we all need. So I thank you for that. Just don't forget to take care of yourself first. You're no good to your organization, to your family, to your friends, or to yourself if you're not at your best. So you should be thinking about yourself first, and then you can help everybody else next. Other than that, I wish everybody um, a happy 2023 as the recording of this date is still a little early in the year. And uh, again, just have a great year.